We welcome you back to Senior Moments with Bob Johnson. Today, we present Episode 3, entitled, Timeless Tales from the Recruiting Trail. Bob shares his myriad of experiences, having worked 38 years at Massachusetts Mutual Insurance Company. His early career in human resources involved prospective employee interviews within his office and included all levels of job opportunities. With recognition of his skills in interviewing and his hiring acumen, he was asked to begin remote recruitment through various college and university campuses. Rising to the level of senior vice president, he eventually conducted search and interviews for even the highest executive professional positions within that company. Through these experiences, he has accumulated many interesting stories. Therefore, I am pleased to present your mentor and host, Bob Johnson, with Timeless Tales from the Recruiting Trail. Okay, we're going to start off with a question today for members of our vast listening audience. The question is, how would you feel if you were in a job interview with a man or woman with a big red circle on his or her forehead? Would you speak up and say, what in the world is that? Or would you decide to just be quiet and wonder for the rest of your life what that was all about? Well, I did that to uh, some people I was interviewing once because uh, I'm blaming it on my infant daughter because she had a toy in her playpen which had a big suction cup, maybe three inches across on one end, and a clown of some sort going on a trapeze on the other end, and it would actually move. So I decided, hey, it would be fun to entertain my daughter by sticking it to my forehead. And for an hour or so, she was entertained. But the next morning when I got up to shave, I found that I had a big red circle on my forehead. Fortunately, nobody ever mentioned anything, and I hope some of them are still wondering what that was all about. Today, we're going to talk about college recruiting. Just what in the world is college recruiting? Well, back in the 60s and 70s, and to some extent, I'm sure still today, Students, when they came to their senior year, maybe right after Christmas vacation, started thinking, I'm going to have to work for a living. Well, how do I go about doing something like that? Well, every college has what is known as a placement office. And students who are worried about uh, finding a job and not going on to graduate school could go in and talk with a placement director, get ideas on what companies were looking for people with their kinds of talent, Uh, and actually look over the literature those companies had. Then, if they were interested in a particular company, they would sign up for an interview when the company recruiter came to visit a few weeks later. These interviews usually lasted about half an hour. Sometimes they were compressed to 20 minutes, during which time the recruiter from the company, who wanted to swell his uh, future junior management uh, ranks with college seniors, would explain the opportunities available in his company, talk about uh, what opportunities uh, he felt this particular student might fit into, and uh, try to determine as much as he could about the student and what 
and what possibility the student might have for his company. The recruiters in their turn would be looking for people whose uh, attributes seem to fit their companies. And uh, usually at the end of the interview, uh, half an hour or sometimes 20 minutes, the uh, interviewer would tell the student whether uh, he expected to, uh, that he would expect to hear from him soon, uh, either inviting him to come to the home office at company expense for further interviews and evaluation or uh, not. And uh, this worked out very well. I suspect it's changed a lot these days because the old system of the 60s and 70s required a lot of travel on the part of the recruiters. Sometimes I would do five colleges in five days and they would be widely separated around New York State and New England. When you travel around in New England and New York State in February by car, you find you have uh, taken on quite a challenge sometimes. But in any event, there were a few cases where I actually uh, felt someday this will be different. Someday they'll do it all by radio, telephone, video, online, uh, whatever. And I'm sure in many cases it is done that way today, but there still may be some of the old style college recruiting going on. Uh, with that introduction, I'm just going to give a few incidents of uh, unusual circumstances that I ran into when I was a college recruiter. Uh, back in the 60s uh, and early 70s. Once in a while, I actually found myself in a situation where I felt my life might be in danger. Uh, I'll give you two or three uh, incidents along those lines. Uh, one day I was in the middle of uh, interviewing students on a half-hour schedule at Northeastern University in Boston, and I heard a lot of sirens outside, and I heard a lot of people running around the halls, and uh, kind of wondered what it was, as did the student I was interviewing. The door burst open and the director of uh, placement uh, said, oh, Mr. Johnson, he said, you're probably wondering what all the noise is about. We've had a bomb threat and uh, somewhere in this building they say there is a bomb that is going to go off. And so we're evacuating the building. I thought you should know. Well, I immediately stood up and started to uh, gather my papers and he said, oh, but you can't leave because you're on a schedule and we'll have students coming to see you. So you stay and we'll keep looking for the bomb. I spent the rest of uh, the day interviewing people and wondering if there was a bomb ticking under my desk. Fortunately, uh, none ever did. Another incident of that kind was in Boston, also in Boston, and that was at Boston University. Uh, those of you with long memories will remember that during the 60s and 70s, there were a lot of student, there was a lot of student unrest about uh, the Vietnam War and uh, the chemicals that were being used and the things we were doing to the Vietnamese and uh, the, the Student for Democratic Society was a very strong organization of students and they all said they wouldn't trust anybody over 30, which made it interesting going on to college campuses. Well, one day I was on a college campus at Boston University, about the third floor of this building, and the uh, actually this was a talk by a man who uh, was from DuPont and he was giving us ideas on how to be better at our job of college recruiting. On the way into the office that day, I noticed wanted posters all over the place, uh, and they had the picture of the man who was our speaker on them. He was wanted, and uh, the speaker had just started, and he sounded as though he was going to be pretty good. There were probably 25 or 30 of us college recruiters in the room, and all of a sudden, the double door to the room burst open, and I throng of students started shouting obscenities and threatening to uh, do 
bodily harm to everyone in the room. Fortunately, uh, some of the men of our men in the audience jumped up and stopped them from getting in, and there was a lot of pushing and shoving and yelling and screaming at the uh, at the entrance to the room. I, being a staff man, stood at the rear of the group, offering advice and counsel to them, uh, so just how to handle the situation. Eventually, uh, the Boston police showed up, and uh, along with the security people from Boston University, all of whom were doing a great job, uh, pushed the students away from the door and uh, formed a gauntlet or a corridor about three feet wide, policemen on both sides, and they told us to get out of the building fast or we were going to be in a lot of trouble. And uh, you may believe that uh, we all followed their directions very carefully, and uh, we never did find out uh, how that all worked out, but when I got into my car, I headed back home in a big hurry. It, it occurred to me the other day as I was thinking about this that those students who were threatening to kill us and never trust anybody over 30 are now in their late 60s and early 70s, and I wonder if they still feel the same way or if they would do things the same way given a second chance. Uh, the only other time I can recall along those lines was uh, in 1968. Uh, our company, like many companies of our type, were working very hard to introduce diversity of racial composition into our companies. And it uh, uh, became obvious to me that in visiting the schools that were on our traditional list, we were not finding any black students. And uh, they were just not signing up for our company. So I suggested to my boss that we should start interviewing at traditionally black universities so that we could hire some uh, future executives of the company from those ranks. He agreed and decided that he was going to do the first one just to see what it was like. And he selected Central State, which was a, a traditionally black university in Ohio. Uh, he went out there and he arrived uh, in his rental car on the morning after Martin Luther King was assassinated. That was a bad time to be on a traditionally black campus because uh, not at all surprisingly, their passions were running high. Uh, a person had just assassinated the champion of their race and uh, they were very upset. The placement director said to my boss, you must get off this campus fast. And he uh, went with uh, my boss and the students were pounding on the car and rocking the car as they managed to get off the campus and my boss came back. He told me about it the very next day when he was back in the office. And then I said, wow, that is really an experience. And he said, it sure was, but we're going back. We're not going to be threatened by this. And I said, good, when are you going? And he said, oh, I'm not going, you are. He'd made arrangements for me to come back about three weeks later. When I went back uh, a few weeks later, I could still feel the uh, animosity on campus, but the students who came in to interview with me, with one exception, were all very uh, cordial and pleasant, and we had some very good interviews. Uh, one person I felt uh, was uh, on the verge of threatening my life, but he, he, he suddenly stood up in anger and stalked out of the room, which I was glad to see him go. But uh, that was uh, pretty much the extent of times when I felt, uh, other than in travel situations, uh, my life was in jeopardy as a college recruiter. There was some discussion among the senior executives in my company about uh, uh, my experience, and one of them uh, suggested maybe they ought to 
uh, double my uh, life insurance. And uh, his boss said, no, don't double it, cancel it, because the company was paying for it. Fortunately, they were just kidding each other, and uh, my life insurance policy is still intact even unto this day. Lunch with the placement director was always kind of an interesting experience. Uh, a director of placement would usually show up about lunchtime after we'd interviewed our students in the morning and uh, take us to lunch, either as individuals or if there were several recruiters on campus, we'd go as a group. Uh, one time I remember, and I won't mention the school in this case, he uh, suggested uh, uh, that we all have a nice drink before lunch. And uh, that was the only time I ever uh, conceded that this was a good idea. I had a nice uh, vodka martini, as I recall it. And uh, I was very embarrassed for the whole afternoon because I never really was able to concentrate on what the students had to say. So I never did that again. In the future, whenever there was a cocktail party before lunch in the placement director's office, I would have a non-alcoholic drink. Uh, another time, uh, this is one of the schools in Maine, I uh, <clears throat> went to lunch with a placement director. I was the only person, a recruiter on campus that day. And uh, we sat down, I noticed there was a microphone in front of me uh, on the table <clears throat> between us and our food. And I said, what's that all about? And he said, oh, I have a weekly radio program and uh, we go live in two minutes and I'm gonna be interviewing you about your job and your company and what you do. And I thought that was an interesting way for me to have, uh, have lunch. One other time, uh, placement director uh, uh, arranged for food to be brought into the office. I uh, looked at uh, what was in front of me, and it was a one-foot-long, I don't know they call it, a submarine sandwich or grinder or whatever they call it, uh, and it had about five big meatballs in it, and there was tomato juice or tomato sauce oozing from all the sides. And he said, looked at it, and then he looked at me, and he said, it's 12 minutes till your next interview starts. Uh, that was kind of a, uh, a risky business, but uh, I made it through the meatball sandwich somehow and uh, went on, but I always remember that submarine sandwich. One other incident that I thought was kind of funny is one time uh, I was uh, interviewing at uh, one of the schools in Maine, I believe it was, and uh, the first interview of the day was going to be a woman. I looked over the form that they'd given me in advance uh, about her, and I opened the door to the office and stood outside looking down this long corridor waiting for her to come, and she showed up. And as she walked down that corridor, I realized she had the best figure I'd ever seen on any woman in my entire life. And she was not walking provocatively, but she was walking the way a model would walk. I just couldn't believe how good she looked, but I uh, tried to re regain my composure. I looked down at the resume I had in front of me and I said, I have just been looking over your form. And then I realized how, what, how it could be interpreted. I probably would go to jail these days for saying something like that. And she looked at me and I started to blush and she started to laugh and we had a good laugh together finally. And it turned out that uh, she was more interested in going on to modeling than she was uh, going into the life insurance business. But it's one of those things that sticks in my mind as, a, of a, as an interesting memory. Uh, one other humorous thing that I can recall is after I had interviewed students at Harvard. We were looking for math majors and I'd interviewed a few at Harvard uh, and I went back to the company to talk with the uh, chief actuary of the company and a life insurance company 
the actuary is just kind of close to God because their decisions really have an effect on the future of the company. And uh, this man was right at the top, and I was not anywhere near the top uh, at that point. And uh, as we were chatting, and I was telling him about the math students I had interviewed at Harvard, uh, I said, uh, you know, and I did run into some of those peculiar uh, individuals you sometimes run into. And then I realized, oh, my God, this man is a Harvard graduate and a math major. I had just learned that the day before. And it's right in the middle of the sentence, I saw my whole life flash before me. And fortunately, I had one card still in my deck, and I played it real quickly in the middle of the sentence. I said, but fortunately, I didn't uh, see any of that type when I was a student there. His frown changed to a smile. He came over and shook my hand. All of a sudden, we were buddies, and my future was secure. As I mentioned, the uh, recruiter's job was to get as much done as he could in the hopefully half-hour interview he had. Sometimes the placement director would cut his time to 20 minutes if there were uh, quite a few students who wanted to talk with him. But the job would be to, uh, quite a bit had to be done in that uh, period of time. Well, I arrived at one campus, I won't mention the name of the school, uh, where the placement director hadn't really done his job very well. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I walked in and I said, have you got anybody for me to interview today? And he said, yes, I have 42 people who've signed up to talk with you. And I said, 42 people? I can't talk with 42 people in one day. I'll have to come back another day. And even then it's going to be difficult because uh, 20 is, a, is pretty much of the limit in any given day. And that's a lot. He said, oh, no problem. I've solved the problem. I'm sending them in every 20 minutes, two at a time. Well, I don't know whether you've ever tried to th think about what it would be like to interview two people, two college seniors, uh, side by side at the same time and make an evaluation of them. Uh, that was a particularly difficult time, and I will always remember it as the, one of the low points of my college recruiting career. But... Uh, I got made it through. I don't think I invited any of those people back to the home office because it was their disadvantage that the placement director had thrown them at me in such a way that there was no way to evaluate them individually. Traveling about was a problem, as I mentioned earlier, when I did it in my car. Sometimes I'd be driving through Maine with a snow uh, tunneled up very high. Other times I'd be driving through a blizzard from one school to another. But a couple of incidents when we went on airline travel uh, are, are worthy of mention. Uh, we occasionally would go farther afield. Uh, I decided one time that I wanted to go out to Ohio Wesleyan, which uh, I had heard some very good things about, and they were all true. It's a fine school. And so I flew, uh, I was going to fly to Dayton and then rent a car and uh, drive up to uh, the location of Ohio Wesleyan. And I uh, was flying on TWA. Well, I got to uh, JFK, or might have been called Idlewild in those days, and uh, my TWA flight was about to take off, and they announced there's a one-hour delay in the departure of TWA, whatever the number was. And so I uh, sat there for an hour, and just as I was ready to board, they said, uh, TWA flight such-and-such such has had another one-hour delay. Uh, we appreciate uh, your patience. And, of course, one hour is not really enough time to go to another airline and try to arrange alternate transportation. So I sat there. 
Well, you guessed it. This went on for five hours, never more than one hour at a time. I don't know what was wrong with the airplane or the system or whatever it was, but I still resent it. I don't think they're in business anymore. But at any rate, I arrived in Dayton very late at night because of the five-hour delay. I rented a car. I drove to the location of Ohio Wesleyan and uh, had to wake up the motel operator because it was now two in the morning. And uh, in unloading my bag, I, uh, my razor slipped. I grabbed it and cut a dash in my hand that caused me to bleed profusely. This is two in the morning and I had to be at the placement office at eight. Uh, finally got uh, a rubber band wrapped around my wrist with a handkerchief on it. Got a few hours sleep. Managed to cut my upper lip <laughs> while shaving with the wrong hand in the next morning. And uh, my day at Ohio Wesleyan interviewing students was one where I worried about the poor students and their reaction to this crazy recruiter who who uh, was uh, seeding, seemed to be bleeding profusely from all various possibilities. The other one uh, about airline travel uh, was of uh, considerable interest because it was when I decided to go to Notre Dame. I'd never been there. They were near South Bend, Indiana. And uh, so uh, I flew to, as I recall, I flew to Chicago uh, and then had to take a smaller airline. I believe it was called Lake Central. I'm not sure. I don't think they're in business anymore. But uh, came time for my flight. I went out to the plane and uh, wondered why there was nobody else around. I got on the plane and it would hold 40 to 50 people. And I was the only passenger. I don't know if you've ever been the only passenger on a plane. Usually it's a problem the other way around. They have too many. But this one, I was all by myself. The flight attendant was very, very cordial. She was a pretty young lady. And she uh, immediately moved me up into the better seats, uh, which was not too difficult considering the emptiness of the plane. <coughs> the uh, man who had uh, had already visited, I, I should have mentioned earlier that I had uh, checked my bag uh, at the desk with the desk clerk there, a young man, and uh, before I boarded the plane. And I'm sitting in the plane and a mechanic comes aboard. And he went into the pilot compartment and started the engines. And uh, he had a hard time getting the left one going. It was a two-engine plane. DC-3 was the plane. Uh, that I don't think they use them anymore. And uh, he finally came back and he said to the uh, flight attendant, tell the pilot not to let that left engine stop. If it does, he'll never get it started again. That is an exact quote. Well, that made me wonder a little bit about uh, this flight. And uh, so I waited to see what was going to happen next. And finally, the pilot came aboard. Well, what do you know? The pilot was the same man as had checked my bag and checked me in for the flight. So the uh, uh, baggage handler was the pilot of the plane. After that, the, uh, when, once the uh, took off, the flight attendant came back and sat next to me and uh, gave me a drink. And uh, when I got off the plane... <laughs> thanking my lucky stars I'd survived the experience, she gave me a full, unopened fifth of scotch. Uh, I think she maybe felt it was a nice thing to do. And uh, I, I think it was, too. I, uh, I, I have to appreciate uh, the fact that I survived that experience, as I did all of the others. And college recruiting, looking back on it, was really a lot of fun. 
Well, that's kind of the end of my story. I, I, uh, this is the third of our podcasts. I've been, heard some interesting, uh, uh, mostly favorable reaction to the other two. And I want to give credit where credit is due. Your producer, director, uh, planner, uh, narrator, uh, cameraman uh, is uh, Dr. Randall Dry, and uh, with some important technical assistance from his son, my grandson, Matthew Dry, up in Boston. I am most appreciative to both of them and uh, have enjoyed talking with you again. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode, Timeless Tales from the Recruiting Trail. Our music selection is entitled Carpe Diem by Kevin McLeod and is available at incomputech.com. We thank you for joining us and invite you back for our next installment. On behalf of Bob Johnson, this is production minion Mr. Ivy wishing you well from Senior Moments with Bob Johnson. <laughs>